Chapter Twenty Two of Anglo American Memories by George Washburn Smalley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Two Two Unaccredited Ambassadors. They were both from Boston in the days when they first became known in england and began their work of conciliation as between england and the united states boston was still boston and new york had only begun to be new york the latter statement may be challenged but the very men who take most pride in the new york of to-day ought to be the first to accept it for manhattan was not then the magnet as london has always been which drew to itself whatever was best from other parts of the land boston was still the athens of america there were excellent names elsewhere and at least one man of genius who owed neither birth nor culture to boston but the capital of massachusetts was none the less the literary capital of the united states emerson holmes lowell longfellow agassiz r h dana jr were all living and all in the fullness of their powers theodore parker the greatest force in the american pulpit was just dead chief justice shaw had been for thirty years the head of the judiciary of his own state and a revered authority throughout the union wendell phillips had no rival as an orator harvard was the first of american colleges the ideas of new england which were the ideas of boston had spread and taken root and new commonwealths in the west were nourished on them nay these ideas and these conceptions of law and social order were the foundation stones on which new states were built no theologian had arisen to dim the fame a great yet sombre fame of jonathan edwards daniel webster disappointed defeated slept by the solemn waves of the atlantic but you cannot think of boston or of massachusetts without him nor did the disasters of his last years much lessen the homage paid him at death or his immense influence on the political thought of the whole country if the intellectual preeminence of boston in those days was somewhat grudgingly admitted by new york it was incontestable new york presently redressed the balance not so much by her own creative efforts as by drawing much of what there was best in boston to the banks of the hudson i believe mr howell's migration at a later period was thought to be the decisive sign one of many commercial influences prevailed over the purer influences of literature the publisher took command but i apprehend that mr howells did not forsake the charles for the hudson without many regrets the atmosphere was not the same old abernethy used to say if you live in the best air in the world leave it and go to the second best unconsciously perhaps mr howells obeyed that medical prescription he went to the second best did he find a tavern club in new york over the noctes coenque of that pleasant company in boston mr howells used to preside with a genial charm all his own it was so long ago that i may be forgiven if i remember in print one of those evenings which owed so much to his presiding genius he spoke and was the cause of speaking in others he had the tact which drew from others more than they supposed they had to give he gently compelled the most reluctant of guests from their chairs there was a brief eulogy on the victim 
it was mr howell's art to paint a portrait so vivid albeit flattering it needed no name to be recognized if said he you were in any doubt of his identity you will recognize him by the look of determined unconsciousness on his face i reckon it among the highest of mr howell's many services that he has been at times an interpreter between england and america and in more senses than one there is a sense in which every american writer who reaches an english audience is an interpreter or better still an ambassador the business of an ambassador being to keep the peace for when lord dufferin was complimented on his diplomatic fame he answered ah that is all a mistake so long as we succeed you never hear of us it is when we have failed that the world begins to know of our existence that however is a malapropos anecdote and tells the other way but in such papers as these there must be anecdotes mr howells was not a silent ambassador and he would not have been an ambassador had he been silent his books spoke for him the english thought and still think that his writings had some qualities which it does not suit the parent stock to consider distinctively american they liked the reserve the simplicity the continual though implicit reference to english literature it was partly because of the homage he paid to the great masters that they presently came to accept him also as a master they were quite aware that his homage was sometimes reluctant when it went further and as in his unlucky criticism of the greatest of english masters in fiction became a caricature they resented it but they bore no malice how can you bear malice against a writer with so much sweetness of nature as mr howells besides what he has written about england is sympathetic and is thought sympathetic by the english if it be also at times critical the english accept the criticism as it is meant nothing is truer about them than their indifference to criticism they regard mr howells's essays as so many studies and these studies as interpretive what he has lately been writing of provincial towns is almost a revelation to the londoner who himself is sometimes called provincial and does not mind another bostonian mr henry james took a longer flight still all the way from boston to london and so to paris and italy in all of which he is equally at home it was i think colonel higginson who in his patriotic impatience of the expatriated american winged a shaft at mr james and at those who called him cosmopolitan in order to be truly cosmopolitan said this eminent colonel a man ought to know something of his own country to which mr james has lately made the best possible reply by a book on his own country which is an appreciation like no other of recent days and i will say this that if colonel higginson supposes an american or a russian or a japanese can win favor with the english by trying to be english he is profoundly mistaken the english like an american to be an american if he is a writer they like his writings to be american who are the american authors most popular in england i will take the dead only they are hawthorne emerson lowell longfellow holmes dana and walt whitman 
others perhaps but if there are others they are all like these i have named american to the fingertips american in thought in language in method nay if you like in accent that is why they are relished in england i do not include poe he is better understood in france than in england his genius is perhaps more gallic than saxon so much so that when the american ambassador delivered a discourse at the celebration in london of poe's centennial it was as if he had spoken on a topic remote from the minds of this english people they read him because he was an american ambassador or because he was mr whitlaw reed and for his graceful mastery of the topic and of the english language but to them he seemed to be announcing a discovery when mr henry james adopted his new manner the manner in which all his books since the awkward age have been produced his english readers turned away from him or many of them did the change coincided or nearly so with his change from pen and ink to dictation a perilous experiment but whatever else may be said of it mr james has gradually won back his english public to them the matter is more than the manner as in mr meredith's case also the american is now thought a more distinguished writer than before i use the word distinguished as he uses it meaning that he has more distinction as a writer and turns out more distinguished work they are no longer repelled by his colloquialisms by his gallicisms by his obscurities by his involutions of structure or by the labyrinthine length of his sentences through all these they now perceive pierces the true genius of the man therefore is he another ambassador another of those americans who from having become known abroad have added lustre to the fame of their own country where in european estimation it most needs lustre namely in the domain of letters by the time the new yorker of to-day has read thus far if he has read it may have become clear to him how great a part of all the renown in literature we have abroad comes to us from boston all the american writers best known here and most read whitman excepted are of boston or of the state in which boston is or was the final expression if another exception were to be made it would be lincoln whose greatest pieces of prose and most of all the gettysburg address are well known to englishmen who know anything of america if what dr johnson said in the preface to his dictionary the chief glory of every people arises from its authors be true then what do we americans not owe to boston supposing that is we care for the judgment of a foreign nation which browning declared to be like the judgment of posterity for some of these bostonians london has a personal affection emerson is beloved lowell was an immense favorite a favorite notwithstanding his combativeness in a society which prefers toleration to excursions on the warpath holmes during his visits here was idolized and as the autocrat of the breakfast-table he is idolized and quoted day in and day out of longfellow's poems in the pre-copyright days more copies were sold than of tennyson and when he was here the english thought him almost one of themselves dana's two years before the mast 
is the one story of the sea which among many rivals seems likely to be immortal in england and is meantime the one which in circulation year after year far exceeds all others and dana was one of those americans on whom the english found an english birthmark there was a time when mr james and mr howells used to be bracketed as if they hunted in couples which was not a discriminating view though a popular view it expressed itself in the jingle about howells and james young men of which the music hall was the proper home and there it related to a firm in regent street now extinct but it was sung by the daughters of a house where mr james was a guest and almost in his hearing to the horror of its mistress to all popularity there are penalties but the popularity of mr james is perennial End of chapter twenty two